Welcome to another episode of This is Hot Boga. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank a few companies for making this podcast possible. First up is Sterka Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time and love the quality and the, the amazing warranty that they provide. If you want to learn more about Sterka Optics, go to sterkastrong.com. So next up is Hill People Gear. Uh, we've had them on as a guest before. We've talked to some of the, the owners there, and they're a great bunch of guys. And Jimmy, you're actually... We're both running the Decker packs, yeah, and we can literally put anything we want yeah, into, into these packs. I mean, we, we go out with our, our ground blinds, our tree saddles, and everything else we might need. So we got out there and... Daughters. Daughters. daughters we'll throw a few kids in there. And we love it. They haul weight well. They're durable, American-made, and uh, an amazing company. Check them out at hillpeoplegear.com. We're avid outdoorsmen and conservationists, and it's important to us to work with brands that are both high-end and care about the world in which we live. Enter United by Blue. For those of you who don't know, United by Blue is an outdoor gear and apparel company that is dialed in on ocean and waterway conservation. We run a lot of their clothes just on the street. Jared went on a hot date with one and his wife the other day and did. Uh, wore a few uh, United by Blue pieces. Really impressed her. Good quality product, good quality clothing. And for every purchase that you make, they remove a pound of trash out of the local waterways around you. And it gets better. When you uh, go to make a purchase, enter Hot Boga at checkout to get a uh, nifty little discount. Check them out at unitedbyblue.com. New Breed Archery! We love New Breed Archery. Uh, I've been shooting their bows for a while. A while is in a year? A while is in a year. It feels like longer. It does feel like longer. We're getting some new bows put together right now. Custom dipped. Jared, what are you going to be shooting this year? I'm going to be shooting the ETX 35. All right. And I'm going to be shooting the RK1 because I'm a true... Uh, true traddy? True, true trad hunter. And mine's going to be in some uh, really special custom colors, which I'm excited to announce, but I won't announce yet. Stay tuned. Head on over to New Breed. Look at their options. You might just fall in love. Well, I appreciate you coming on to talk to us tonight. Yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to it. Talk a little hunting, talk a little knives. Yeah. Heck no yeah. Well, we, you know, and to add, to really top it off, it took me and Jared just an extra minute to call you because we're, we're sitting next to a fire right now. We've decided to move our podcast operations outdoors. To us, it's more authentic. And now with the crackling of the fire in the background. That's a beautiful thing. It, we might have some trouble with that in about a couple months. I know. Yeah. It gets cold. We take it outside, you know, when the weather permits. But yeah. you know, the first couple months, we, not the first, probably like six months in when it was winter, we were recording in a unheated attic because yep. of the, the sound that was pretty good in there. That was cold. That was cold. We'd bundle up in these big blankies and I had my big onesie Carhartt suit on. But, you know, you got to grind it out sometimes. No pain. Yeah, you guys are hard. You're hardened Michiganers. That's right. We're used to a little cold. You're from Minnesota, though, right? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. We had that week last year where the entire week never got above, like, 10 below or something. Last year was brutal. And, you know, they're saying that, at least by us, this winter is going to be brutally cold, Mm -hmm. end of January, February again. So we're going uh, tent camping during the polar vortex again? Yeah, Jared and I last year, we decided we were going to do this small game hunt. We were going to pick basically a closing weekend for small game. We took our bows out. Plan was to go get some squirrels, some rabbits. The The forecast basically <laughs> got down. I don't know. It was like, ah, it'll be about negative two degrees or whatever. We got out there and it was, I think it got down to negative 15. And it was, I mean, cold, cold. So, but we toughed it out. Fun meter's not too high on that deal. No, you know, we 
we had some adult beverages to keep us warm, but we also had a heated tent, uh, one of those teepees, a seek outside, and we got kept the tent probably 65 degrees the whole time. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's slick. I have a big Cabela's tent with like a big, you know, like a truck camping deal with a big stove, and you can get that thing rocking. I also have a Kafaru super tarp with a little stove in it, but I don't know if you'd want to be out for too many days in that kind of weather. No, you know, it's it was, the thing was, it was fine when you in the teepee but you had to just keep feeding that fire (laughs) you know like in the night you let it go two hours and it's like oh shoot you know everybody wakes up because it instantly is 15 degrees in there and dropping so but you 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 know the the pain you're you're a minnesotan yeah i definitely know the pain i've been out in it you know it's one of those things though when you are kind of used to it and you just go do your thing as long as it's not totally brutal right it's kind of nice like i've had arguments with people that one degree like single digits or maybe just below freezing is like some of the best weather you can have if it's a nice day and not windy yeah if right. you're walking or whatever it's great exactly and you know if you're hunting in that cold weather when you finally get out there it's usually pretty crunchy mm-hmm. you're gonna hear i mean you're gonna hear and see anything or everything that's out actually buddy and i were like have been going deer hunting oh pretty much my entire life out in western south dakota we go in uh November, the opening's like the second weekend in November every year, but we've had everything from, well, the first year when I was 12, when I went out there, it was, got to like negative 15, just that, <laughs> that weather you're talking about. Yeah. And that was pretty eye-opening, but we've also had 70, 80 degrees out Right. There. Oh, wow. Year, last year was super cold. We were actually archery hunting at a buddy that came with that didn't draw a tag, and it was like one of the funnest hunting days we've ever had, and it was, you know, 10, 12 below in the morning. Yep. Hard to get out of the tent. Yeah, for sure. So you're in Minnesota, and yet you have developed this ultralight knife. Are you a guy that just likes to travel light when you're whitetail hunting from the stand? Or are you more of a, a Western hunter? Or, or, you know, what? I guess actually, before we get into that, why don't you introduce yourself uh, for the people that are listening? Well, who are you? What do you do? Where do you come from? Stuff like that. Yeah, so my name is Luke Johnson. I am the owner of. Tito Knives, you know, 35 years old, lived in Minnesota my whole life, grew up in the outdoors, you know, kind of started the knife company because I had a good, I thought I had a pretty good idea and wanted to be in the outdoors more, you know, have a little extra money for hunting, that kind of thing. Exactly. Kind of took off, but uh, yeah, as far as my hunting goes, it's a pretty funny deal. I have killed one deer in Minnesota. And you've lived there your whole life. Yep, 35 years old, <laughs> killed one doe in Minnesota. <laughs> Just like I said, since I was a kid, so my dad had the dream of Western hunting when he was, you know, in his 20s. Right. So he had a group of buddies that went out searching for the, the Western hunt. And back then, very difficult. No internet, no maps, none of the, none of the stuff that we have now. No Garmin. Yeah, no Onyx hunt maps, <laughs> none of that kind of stuff. Yep. So they went. They bounced around, you know, Montana, the Dakotas, and ended up kind of finding Western South Dakota was a cool place that they kept going back to, and you know, kind of got to be friends with a rancher, so on and so forth. They've been hunting that, you know, my whole life. Okay. So since they were they were probably thirty. Now, when you're saying the western side, are you like talking near Custer State Park area, or yeah, west of the river? Yeah, between the river and Rapid City. So in there, so where it's a western hunt, you know, it's open. There's yep. no trees. It's you know that spot and stock kind of thing. So that's what got me going on big game hunting. 
Okay, so you kind of grew up as a big game hunter, even though you were kind of in the whitetail woods, or the you know big woods of, of Minnesota. Yeah, that's you know that's where I'm from. I've, I've shot a couple deer uh, with my bow in Wisconsin. I got a buddy who's got a really good family farm kind of on the river bluff to Wisconsin. So that's that's the southwest corner. Yep, correct. Okay, correct. yeah, we're we're looking and at yeah. actually doing a hunt down there this year for about a week. Hopefully, hopefully we we find some deer down there. Are you guys going to look at public then? Yeah, we're we're going along uh, kind of by the Wisconsin River. There's like some, I think, I don't know if it's BLM or what land it is. Yeah, um, but it is, it's basically, it covers the islands in the river and then north, like, is it north, south? But basically like chunks of land kind of mm-hmm. on both sides of the river. So our, our thought is we camp and then we take boats in and just kind of poke into different areas and, and like hang a set there. Cool. Yeah, I know there is like... Kind of around the area that we hunt there, there's a lot of public land, and I know guys do really well. Yeah. So, you know, we have a, it's kind of a deal. We started in college. It's been, you know, we got a group of buddies that we've known each other since we were like five, six, kind of a deal. Right. But uh, we started in college going down there, and we were sleeping in the farmhouse with his grandma and his grandpa, and, <laughs> um, you know, trying to sneak beers, that whole oh, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been there. there. So they had a big Kwanzaa hut, I think is what they call it, something like that. It's like a big shed that's, I think, 60 by 80 or something like that, huge, and it had a big oak loft. So uh, over the years, we're still working on it, you know, 10, 15 years later now, yeah. but over the years, we built that oak loft into a little lodge. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I like that. Mm-hmm. So he did the whole deal, and, you know, we're working on, we got like a little mini kitchen going up there, the whole deal, which is pretty cool. So it's a big flip from my usual Western hunting right. to come out there and try to sit in a tree stand. Um, but we got it. We're kind of getting it set up. So we got our kids coming out there. We all have younger kids. I have a three and a five-year-old, okay. I think. Two of my buddies have kids that are like the exact same age. That makes um, it nice. So we're kind of introducing them every year. Now, the last few years, we've been bringing our kids out there in the spring, setting up trail cameras, cutting shooting lanes, having them shoot guns and stuff. So it's a cool place to be able to you know, easily introduce them to the outdoors and not throw them into the woods right. or nothing. <laughs> right. Kind of a deal. Before we move on, I wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors, Pelican Coolers. These coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty. But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler. And we all use the uh, 32-ounce tumbler, and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet, but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. I'm going to James D. Guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself, pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga. And now, back to our show. Yeah, it's it's well, funny the the easing your kid into because if you if you go in too strong, you're gonna ruin it. You're gonna snuff out that little light. But if you right. the slow introduce, you know, I, I started doing the same with my daughter. I think when she was two and a half, I started to 
<laughs> I started to take her out. You know, now it's she's pretty good. How old is she now? Seven. So she's got some good experience under her belt. She knows what to do. Cool. Yeah. She's uh, yeah, the, yeah. the big thing that she she loves, which is some people think is weird. I, th- I feel like people outside the hunting kind of community think it's weird, but she loves the butchering part of it of, of hunting. She loves when we got the deer hanging and I'm cutting parts up. Loves to eat the heart. That's kind of her mm-hmm. cut that I got to save for. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny how they're drawn to that kind of thing. Yep. Just without without even knowing. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it pretty often too. But yeah, getting your kid into the outdoors and being able to share that together is pretty pretty cool. I've been working pretty hard getting my my daughter's actually was in. A, she's five. She was in an archery league this year. Wow! wow. Props to you for that. She's five years old in an archery league. And she she did pretty. You know, she's five, so she's kind of winging arrows. But right. she did pretty good and loved it. So it's kind of just keeps. And since then, my wife's gotten into shooting. I don't know if I'll ever get her out hunting, but just keep everything going that way, right? Well, and mm-hmm. you also get a little more time in the woods that way. That's the plan. So. <laughs> That's the long con right there. It's the long con. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't tell my wife I called her a con. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you know. called it a con. You call the con. It wasn't That's me. right. You can blame me, and hopefully my wife doesn't listen to any of these episodes because I've uh, definitely made a reference to that a few times. So you're so you're doing these western hunts, and you're thinking, you know, I need a I need a knife that mm-hmm. that works better. What where'd you get this idea from? Why why'd you think you know this surgical basically looking tool that, that I'm holding right now, and I've only cut myself once so far. Yeah, well, my thumbs are hurting pretty bad from <laughs> just working on them and whatnot. Right. So that's that's something you got to be careful with. Um, really, how it all started was, I think at the time that I really started using, I actually started using a scalpel handle, like yep. a regular medical instrument. Um, at that time, there may have been another company out that made it at that point. Okay. I'm not 100% sure when I thought of it, but I went to a taxidermist to drop off a deer in North Dakota with a buddy that shot one. We were on a trip. On our way back, we stopped at a taxidermist to drop his deer off, and he was showing us his scalpel that he uses to do all of his taxidermy work, mm-hmm. and then he said, you know, I just buy a bunch of these, and I throw them in my pack. They don't weigh anything. At that point, not too expensive, and always have a sharp blade. You know, you know the reason, all the reasons you'd want a replaceable blade knife. And I thought that was cool, so I went home and ordered one. For a couple years, I had just the standard medical scalpel handle and blades in my pack, and Mm -hmm. that's what I was gutting deer with and breaking deer down with and all that kind of stuff. The thought was if it could gut a man, it can gut a deer. Is that that kind of what you're (laughs) you're, you're, you're looking for? Yeah, I just just know he did all his detailed taxidermy work with it. You know, just the first time that I used it, it was just, so eye-opening to yeah. have that crazy razor-sharp blade. And as I used it, I just kind of thought the handle wasn't ideal. It's really small. You know, you're cold out there. You're not, you know, trying to grab this teeny little handle. You know, right. the doctors are using it in controlled environments and that kind of thing. So I jumped on the computer and downloaded a trial version of a CAD program. And Do you have a ma- manufa- or an engineering background? I do not. So I just have, jumped have, in. I have an economics degree, and I've been in sales. So I just kind of taught myself how to use that program wow. and uh, came out with a product and found a manufacturer, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Social media is kind of how I started uh, doing any advertising, which is great. Uh, made some great connections there. 
and it just took off. Yeah, like the Kafaru guys, right? Uh, Aaron and, and Frank. And yeah. yeah, Aaron grabbed a hold of it right away and sent me a message. It was kind of one of those deals. I already had been listening to like Gritty Bowman and right. whatever, and then I get a message from him. That was pretty pretty cool. That's a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. It was interesting. <laughs> it got real right, right that day, and then talking to him on the phone, I didn't know him and. Then on, you know, I've, I've kept a pretty good relationship with him since then and just built from there. It's been really fun, that's for sure. So how many prototypes kind of went into this this final design that you guys have right now? So really, the shape of the handle, the 1.1 handle, is pretty much what I spit out of my first trial. Wow. Um, really? First trial of the, you know, just getting it on a CAD program and figuring it out. That's impressive. It's been tweaked a lot, but I mean, as far as the outline, how the handle looks, it was pretty close. It's it's so it's so modern and sleek, you know? It's very Scandinavian in uh, in design when I look at it. It's like a, you'd see this somewhere. You know, there's like not much to it, but it's like a yeah. good-looking knife. Right, yeah. I mean, it's just other knives I've had, other knives I've seen, that kind of thing. I got a few of the prototypes that just that didn't have the attachment point machined in and just really liked how that turned out. Yep. The tolerances and getting that machining, small machining done on the attachment point was a big challenge. I can imagine. Well, it, it does, it clips on real nice, you know. Yeah, and that was a challenge. You know, I probably had five or six different prototypes from different manufacturers before I got one that clicked in and it made me smile kind of a deal. Exactly. Um, another thing I found out pretty quick is the machine shops, any, any of them around here anyway, uh, are doing pretty good and don't really need business or didn't four years ago when I started this right. endeavor. So that was another challenge. Big um, hurdle there. Just trying to get started you know, off of a shoestring budget, right? basically, and, you know, not being able to say I want 10,000 pieces. Right. Uh, that was kind of a challenge, too. Yeah, that's that's interesting, because you're, you're at the beginning, you're kind of small batch ordering. Not yeah. entirely sure where, where that goes, but, you know, now here you are. You've got beautiful pictures. You've got, you know, tons of customers. Everybody's, you know, I've, we've heard all about you many places, so you've done so well so far. How, how long ago was that when you started, kind of officially started Tito? Tito, it started in 2016. Okay, that's amazing. And actually, I got to ask. So I, I was calling it Tito forever, and I feel like that was because of Aaron Snyder. But it's Tito, and wh- where did that name come from? Yeah, it's Tito. It's Tito. I mean, I'm not hell bent on the uh, pronunciation. I guess it's a scientific name for a barn owl. Okay. And you know, I guess names are pretty challenging to come up with, but uh, the idea being an ultralight efficient killer and hunter ah. that works silently in the night kind of hopefully how you end up every one of your hunts right yeah absolutely i love that working silently in the night means you had a good uh, good day that was the thought coming up with a u- unique name is uh, a little bit challenging you guys did a, did a pretty good job <laughs> yeah we get a lot of questions a lot of people and I, I never saw this coming but a lot of people thought we were from georgia thought we were guy bow guys from georgia that's the GA in our name, Boga. Like we had Donnie oh. Vincent on. He's like, I gotta ask what your name, what's the deal is with that. A couple guys have said it, and we're like, oh no, it was just a cor- corny 
attempt to be funny, you know, da- kind of dad humor, and uh, yeah, stuck with it. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I get it. It took me a couple times to, when I said it to understand, but I get it. And uh, like you said, it's unique. It's kind of a cool thing to have a unique name like that. Makes it a little bit more marketable. Makes uh, people talk about it. A little you know, bit more we, we were thinking, you know, uh, everybody calls themselves, or especially like a lot of these small groups of guys, they call them Team X, you know, Team mm-hmm. Hunting Hard or, you know, Team Outdoors Afield. Team skulls, yeah, yeah exact skull bound or whatever. You know, it's like uh, we're not. That's not the kind of guys we are. So we got to think of something a little different. Running through names for product is just even for me when I come out with something new. It's kind of like the first thing that always comes to mind is something that's been done a million times. Right? Yep. Right. So you got to think outside of the box. Yeah. Well, you had that that new single blade. Uh, what was the name of that one again? Six blade, the Phantom. Yes. Yeah. What, what's that? Where? That's a great name too. Where'd that come from? Uh, it's a name of a sheep that's mixed with a stone and a doll. And I had never heard I've of heard it before. Some, I've heard some guides don't like it. Oh, really? Just don't like the name of the mixed sheep because they don't necessarily believe that it exists or something like that. I didn't know that necessarily until after. But. Well, you know, I feel like that's a that might be a selling point. Now you got some guys debating it, and at the end of the conversation, your product is now ingrained in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, all publicity so. is good publicity. Yep, that's for sure. So you got this knife. The the new thing is that spork, correct? That's that's yeah. that's newly out. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that that whole process and how you came up with that idea. I had the idea a while ago, to be honest with you, and was kind of on the fence about it. A couple of years ago, uh, maybe yeah, two years ago, I think I really kind of had the idea. Um, I had a couple other people ask about it after I thought about it a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's some things that made me a little nervous about it right away, especially being a, a new company, smaller company, as far as, you know, worrying about somebody getting sick or something like that. Yeah. I think common sense would probably prevail in that just make sure everything's all clean when you're going to switch between the two. <laughs> right. um, that made me a little nervous. And then once I decided to design that and, and pull the trigger, it, it was a little bit more challenging than I thought as well. Um, to get that or... made. Just to get it manufactured to, you know, you got to make a stamp. That's relatively expensive. So you don't want to make a bunch of them, right, if you mess up. And then finding the right material. It's heat treated, so if it's too hard, it'll just shatter, which I went through a few different different steels that would just break when they got stamped. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh I had the first prototype oh for a bear hunt in Idaho. We packed in this spring. It was pretty cool. It's just nice to not have to bring that that extra big spoon and right. you know, mm-hmm. you lose them all the time. You can put it in your kit where your knife and everything is, keep it all in one spot and hopefully not not misplace it.
Now, I got really an important question about this because I actually have never used a spork. I put, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. I put You've never this, used a spork, no, like, period? This spork. Or that spork. But I have put, and I'll talk about it in a minute, I have put the 1.1 through some rigorous testing. Um, I'll cover that in a second. But okay. The, the big question I have for the spork is, am I going to get dirty knuckles if I'm, uh, you know, eating some dehydrated meal? Or is it going to be long enough where, you know, I'll have a little clearance? So I looked at all the different spoons, mm-hmm. and I got all my dehydrated meals out, and I made sure <laughs> it was as long as all the other ones, and that I could eat a meal without getting dirty knuckles. So yes. I've eaten a lot of dehydrated meals out of it with no dirty knuckles. Yeah, that's good to know. That, that, was, that was the big... Sold. Sold. Right. <laughs> Jared's your new oh, customer. Sold. The other, the, what I want to talk about is, you know, so we, we got these knives a couple days ago, and I wanted to tell you, I've put it through some rigorous testing already. You know, I'm seeing all these pictures of guys with caribou, you know, you got some pronghorn down, even some elk already with these knives and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. This year, so far with this knife, I've cut three dates in half. I also cut the legs off a of frozen chicken. So I like to, f- I feel like I've, you know, put it through some serious testing so far. Some sort of valuable testing. Yeah, and yeah, I'll say this so far, this thing is... F- amazingly sharp and it's still just as sharp as when i opened it even though i uh dates are kind of sticky right (laughs) i wiped it off i cut through this chicken like it was you know melted hot butter i had a doctor tell me that during my jaw surgery what he goes this knife right here is gonna cut through your jaw like a hot (laughs) knife through butter and then i was out you gotta you gotta you gotta give a little background about what, what this was so i had my teeth weren't crazy messed up it's just the arches wouldn't line up. What, so are, what are our arch? What are you talking about? Your teeth. The top row of your teeth and the bottom row of your teeth. Right? Weren't lining up. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, the middle, your two front teeth and your two front bottom teeth, yep. there's a line right there. That if you have a perfect smile, they Which line I do. up top, yep. top to bottom. Yeah. So, my arches were perfect. Yeah. But they wouldn't, the two, those two bottom and top lines wouldn't match up. Right. So they said, we can stop braces now, which was after seven years. You had them most of at the time that I knew you growing up. Yes. You had them. It was terrible. All through high school, partway into college. But they finally said, we can fix this, but you have to go through constructive surgery. Yeah. And then re- reconstruct. Oh, uh, really. sorry. I think it was labeled actually cosmetic surgery. Okay. So. Did you have a boob job while you're <laughs> Other kind. While I'm under. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, fix me up Do down there, all. will you? So they pretty much cut my top teeth out like a horseshoe right below my okay. nose line. So I've got two plates on either side just below my eye sockets. They clipped the actual jawline back below like my around my ear yep. and kind of shifted it left and right. Yep. And then cut a chunk off my chin. <laughs> so there's a bunch of different plates and screws in there. But that, that's the size so, of the point. Out, so you, have, on, they, you got screws in your chin? Yeah, I've got an ex-titanium plate You should have them put chin. in a butt chin. Like a little dimple in there, nah. like like Mr. Incredible. Is he? Nah. <laughs> you, know, you know what? We're, we're past the surgery. I'm yeah, not going through late. it again. it's too late. It's been years. But I'm on the table, right? Yeah. Getting wheeled into what? the OR. And the doctor's getting prepped. And he goes, how's it going? I'm like, good. He's like, all right, well, you're about to go under. And this knife... It's going to cut through your bone like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I had a scared face, right? but after that, I just don't remember. You know anything. he was prepping for that line like oh, yeah. all day, like, this is what I'm going to tell this poor sucker, you know? <laughs> I'm going to freak him out, and he's going to go right to sleep. Yep. It's going to be he's hilarious. He's going to wake up and not know where he is. And So a, yeah. a funny follow-up to that story. Jared gets out of surgery. I go to visit him, 
and <laughs> I'm walking in the, I'm actually, I'm me and my, well, she's my girlfriend, but now my wife walking through and I'm like, where is Jared? He, you know, I'm going to visit him. <clears throat> He's supposed to know I'm coming. I cannot find him. I look over and I just see this guy in a gown that looks like Shrek, just mm. a goofy looking dude. And I, I look at him, looking at him <laughs> and I realize, <laughs> I realize I'm like, holy crap. That's Jared, and it sounds horrible, but I lost it. I am he dying laughing because he looked so different. And, of course, he had you know this reconstructive cosmetic, whatever you want to call it, surgery, and he's trying not to laugh because it is it agony so at that point. so bad. Oh, he smiled, dude. Bad. But, you know, like you looked like Shrek, and it just cracked me up, and I just remember it looking, and you're like, Come on, man. Stop. Yeah. You, I remember you walking through the double doors right there. <laughs> you looked at me, started cracking up, and turned around. Because he didn't want to show me that you were laughing your ass off. You change something small on someone's face, and it's almost—they're almost unrecognizable. Oh, and he crazy. was all swollen too. Oh, and it was bad. You, I mean, it was basically from your ear down. You were—it was puffing. bad. Like mixed. With, you know, ever seen like the Who's from uh, the Grinch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mi- yeah mixed right. mixed with Hitch when he gets uh, when yep, he eats yep. something. Yeah, he uh, it swells up real bad. Yeah. Well, I will say, and then we we can move on. But you know, I I would hang out with Jared. I feel like I was kind of like your therapy dog, because uh, this was college. What? I I hung out. We played a lot of video games while yeah, you we were did. like drugged out and biking and in, and I was just hanging out. But I watched. I turned over once. I turned around one time. We're playing video games, and he had to keep his mouth open and be, to let it heal or whatever. And I watched him peel his lip skin. And he started at one corner, and he went all the way around the horn, yep. ended back where it started, and it it was like a snakeskin cut. It was yep. horrifying. And it, you held it up, and it almost looked like a long <laughs> Still gives me nightmares, man. Mm-hmm. Anyways, oh, back to knives. I um, digress. So, <laughs> so we covered the name of it. We covered, you know, how you you got to it, to coming up with the design and your big break, you know, where you kind of mm-hmm. you just started hitting it big. Do you have more design and your new products? Do you have more designs you're working on? Are you trying to focus on what you've got out, or what are you what are you working on right now? We do, I do, we do have some more designs we're working on. The Fanon's getting a few facelifts, a few changes. It's going to be a little bit lighter, a little bit smaller, better blade design in my opinion, but it's going to be very similar to what it was. Okay, blade shapes changing a little bit and it's going to be a little bit lighter that'll be out here within the month we have the titanium the tito ti that's been pretty cool i had a bunch of sheep hunters i was pretty surprised that wanted it even lighter right? that. what that's like and half an ounce or something ridiculous yeah it's under an ounce with the sheath and one blade okay so if you really wanted to go bare bones and go crazy you could do just blades just the handle and then throw a Fork attachment in and then you'd be Sheesh. I think that five blades, the spork attachment, the handle is all under two ounces for your eating utensil and your knife to take care of your whole I mean deal. to shave off fractions of an ounce. I mean that's But I, if I you're guess... thinking about it, if you shave off fractions of an ounce in twenty different places those are the guys. Yeah. It, could, it could come up to a pound. Yeah, it'll add up. And I was surprised that there was demand for it, but it's a really cool knife. It's yep. actually like you said. You put uh, the one point one through some testing. I've had a couple of don't call know, it testing. <laughs> I've had a handful of guys bend the attachment point, which I don't know what they're doing because I broke down myself. You know. 20, 30 animals with one of them that I still have. They um, bent the metal no on the titanium one? Not on the titanium the one. 1. On the oh, the 1.1. 1. 1. 1. 1. Gotcha, 1. sorry. Yep. Bent it a little bit. So I don't know what they were doing. Something that they ran did, it over. Uh, 
a hatchet floor or something. Yeah. <laughs> but we did redesign a little bit of the attachment point on the the TI to just beef that up a little bit. Okay. Um, so it's it's a little bit stronger. But what I do with the TI is I throw it in the back of my vinyl harness without a sheath on it and a couple of blades. Nice. You don't even know it's there. If I do drop my pack and get way away from my pack or whatever, and I just need to open up an animal because it's hot out or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I'll do that. I love that. This would fit, right? We got we were on the, um, those FHF gear, and that would fit right in that back yeah. little pouch. Yeah, I know it fits in those FHF. FHF, excuse me. I run uh, Alaska Guide Creation. Oh yeah, it's perfect junk in the back of that thing too. So you, you're typically when you're you're out, your your go to is the TI. Is that right? The well, I've been bouncing around. I've been using the same 1.1 mm-hmm. for a few years okay. just to keep using the same one. Make sure it doesn't break down, doesn't have any any weak points or anything like that. Right. Um, just as we keep moving forward. So, but yeah, I had a. I killed an antelope here a couple of weeks ago, South Dakota, and two blades boned out and caped. Wow. Two blades, that was it. That's incredible. That's incredible. Do you have just the bare handle? Or are you putting on that rope handle that you guys offer? Yeah, the, uh, that was yeah. just the bare handle. I mean, sometimes I'll wrap it. It depends on it depends on what I'm doing. We also have some like grip skins that'll just bolt on to make a handle. It's just two Allen wrench bolts. That bolt that thing on, and then you can fit, like, one of the small 22 blades for an emergency in between it, I guess, if you ran out of blades, which is kind of cool. But some people just like that bigger handle design. Yeah. When it's cold, cold, yeah. And, right. And, you know, the met, yeah, the, like you said, the metal doesn't get cold. So that, that's a pretty cool product. We're making, we're going to make those out of G10 here in the future. Right now, they're just 3D printed, which is a pretty cool design, but this G10 is going to look a little bit nicer and it's going to be a little bit lighter. Explain what G10 is. I, I'm not familiar with that. I'm trying, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to look up exactly what it's made out of. It's yep. an epoxy, it's an epoxy fiberglass. A lot of knife makers use it to make handles. That and, yeah, so it'll just be lighter and tougher. Awesome. Awesome. That's hard to imagine lighter and tougher than, you know, I'm, I'm actually holding it right now, swinging it around. I'm going to definitely cut myself. Actually, when yeah. Jared showed up to, to record, we just got done recording another one. I literally had just sliced my thumb open playing with it. So, yeah, I'm actually going to want to dull this one. Just give me my play blade, you know. There's a reason your parents didn't give you sharp things right? when you were younger. You know what, though? I, I've this And this is something Laura, my wife, you know, swears by. You know, the most dangerous blade is a dull blade because you're yeah, hacking at well, something, yeah. you know. That's true for sure, I would say. I mean, when you get that super sharp blade and you know what you're doing and you start working on an animal, skinning it or whatever, you can just be ever so slow and careful and just make sure all your cuts are going the right way. When you have to start digging and hammering on something, that's that's when stuff goes sideways. You know, I've had a... We've had a few funny stories on on cutting hands cutting hands with those sharp blades. You just got to be careful with them. Taking them in and out of sheaths. I actually met a buddy that came down from way up north. Then we met at a just a random bar around here. I brought him a knife and he opened it up and was looking at it. And I don't know what he did, but he just like Slice. touched the blade. Like I'm like it's sharp, it's sharp. <laughs> touched the blade. He started bleeding, handed it back to me. I was looking at it. I did something stupid. 
<laughs> we're both sitting at the bar having beers with our fingers wrapped up because we cut our night. Blood just started coming. You're gonna, don't know. You're going to bleed a little bit more when you've got a few beers in you, too. That's a that's a blood yeah. thinner. So, you know, the, I was looking at this. You, I, I thought of the spork. Yeah, I like that idea. Another, you know, just you throw it out there. And actually, if you ever decide to pick it up, I want you to call this the boga. Is this a boga tip? This yeah. is a boga suggestion. Um, toothbrush. You could you could snap a toothbrush right on the end of this thing. I mean, again, you're running into you got to make sure you keep it clean. Mm. But you have a little uh, toothbrush end to it. You could shave some weight there because a lot of these guys are out there cutting their toothbrushes in half or like down to a little quarter. Hey, man, that's just free advice from Hot Boga Boga Tip. We don't give those away often, but when we do, they're gold. They're okay <laughs> at best. <laughs> well, I'll look into it, and you guys will be getting some royalties. If I off. love it. You know, I've been watching Shark Tank lately, and Mr. Wonderful, he's all about royalties, and so I'm trying to trying to emulate that. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've looked at all kinds of stuff. You know, people want gut hooks. People want right. saws. And that stuff we've looked at, it is tough to keep it made in the U.S. Sure. And keep the prices down. Right. That's the challenge on stuff like blades. You know, nobody is going to want to pay the prices that it's going to take for a disposable saw blade, gut hook, or whatever that's made in the U.S. It's yep. just going to be tough. Now, is made in the U.S., is that like a... You know, is that like a personal belief, or are you doing that just to save on you know all the the headaches that come with dealing over, with overseas companies? Or you know, what's the what's the philosophy behind that? I'd like to keep it here. I'd like the money coming back into our economy. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, our blades are the only thing right now. Our regular sixty and twenty two blades come from overseas. Okay. It's just that's the only product that we have that comes from overseas. It's just the only way to do it. Right. Um, as far as pricing goes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess I have a belief. I'd like to keep it all here. Is that realistic for everything? Maybe. Maybe not. Right. Um, it depends on what folks are willing to pay for stuff like blades. The rest of it all, all makes sense and works as far as pricing wise sure. made here. Well, but, and if you uh, think about it and what it takes, I mean, you're, you're the pricing for the things that you're making is pretty reasonable. I know that the TI is, is a little bit more expensive, but I mean, for a blade that light, that sharp. That really is. I mean, that's pretty good. Right. I mean, if you're looking at custom, you know, these small batch custom knives that you see that are pretty popular these days that you're really going to get good steel, a good edge that's going to hold. I mean, you're looking at paying quite a bit of money, and a lot of those guys you're looking at getting on a wait list. Right. From what I've seen. Yeah, they're hand making um, it and yeah, whatnot. And then you so, got to sharpen it if it's if it's a fix. Then you got to sharpen it. Which, which I'm horrible you know, at. Knife, yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's a talent all on its own, right? It's a skill that you got to learn. When I go into the woods, especially on like a backpack hunt, I'll have my replaceable blade, whichever model that it be. And then I, like on my bear hunt, when we packed in, I had my fan and I use that for any camp chores cutting up food, that yep. kind of thing. So then you hammer on that blade, which that is a D2 tool steel, okay. which holds an edge really well. Oh, nice. It's a really hard, yep. hard metal. So the point of that was to not have to bring a sharpener and not have to sharpen it in the field. Now, are you ever going to use your uh, the 1.1 or the TI for, for things other than, you know, caping and gutting and, and everything else? It, it depends on what I'm doing. But for the most part, that I usually just save that for that. Yep. And then I'll use it with the spork attachment to eat. All right. But, yeah, I mean, it would... It's a, you know, it's a thin blade. It's made for precision cutting. Right. Um, you're not going to want to try to hack at too much or you're just going to run into problems. Right. And so, it and yeah. So 
less of a camp type knife. We have been starting to work on a little bit more high end material folding knife too. So oh, okay. I have a design going for that and that might be the kind of a next year project for us. Oh, I like that. That would be another, you know, camp type knife, something that you always have in your pocket, you know, breast out a turkey or whatever, maybe upland game with it or something oh, like yeah. that. Nope. Boga blade, so the man's best friend. Yeah, that's right. Well. well, you know, actually, this 1.1 would be amazing for for turkey. They can be a little bit of a pain to clean up and everything else. And like I said, I've used it on a chicken domestic. It was awesome. So I, I can imagine this would be awesome for you know breasting out um, a turkey and and you know cut kind of yeah, breaking I'm, it down. I'm excited to get it a little dirty. Yeah, even so, we got small game season coming up in like what is it, the fifth today? Ten days? Yeah. Okay. I mean, this would be great for. We do a lot of bow hunting for squirrels. Well, uh, at least I do. This would be. This is going to be handy for that. Yeah, it's perfect for that for sure. What do you? When does your deer season open over there? For October first. Yeah. October first. Okay. Yep. Well, there there's a uh, disabled veterans or a liberty hunt uh, coming up. I think third week of September, and as long as as well as a youth hunt. Can so, you do that, Jared? No. You're a veteran. No. And you're disabled. You've got to be 100% uh, not, disabled. I consider you to be 100% disabled, but nah. it has nothing to do with your they're time guys in the far, service. They're far worse off than yeah. I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah so yeah, we're, we, yeah. you know, everybody, it's it's kind of, it kills us because you look at social media right now and there are people out there elk hunting. They've, they've been, there's guys deer hunting out kind of by you mm. and we're sitting here hoping for small game and then, you know, then you got white and tail. And everything kicks in. So yeah, yeah. Do you guys get do you guys get out west much? Yeah, the last two years I went out to uh, do some later season rifle hunting for elk in Colorado, and this year we just decided we're gonna kind of put all of our eggs in the the rut basket Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin. We do some filming and kind of a different different thing than we're used to doing, but trying to treat it like a more of a backcountry hunt, but kind of in the Midwest for whitetail. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds great. I struggle to sit in a tree stand, but. Yep. Uh, it sure is fun when that uh, magic time happens. Well, that's, you know. Honestly, we do too. Yeah, it, it's Wait. funny. Once we started going west, it changed the way that we hunted whitetail. Uh, we just, I just can't, like you said, it's just harder to sit in a tree stand when you could just be exploring, <laughs> you know, walking around. <laughs> and if you're creative and you're you're doing it right, I mean, we, we haven't seen really any drop off in, in our success rates, I would no. say, would you? No. A lot more ground ambush. Like, we'll be out, we'll find a good spot, and we'll, we'll post up a ground blind, or maybe we'll pop up in a – we got a tree saddles this year. We'll pop one of those up. But a lot of it's just how mobile can you be? Can you set up and take down real quick? You know, I think we talked about it before, but – Jared, you shot a buck uh, where we were we were sitting, we, we were kind of walked in. We saw this doe crossing at the bottom of this, you know, I would say like power valley. Lines. Yeah, we were on the power on some power lines. And we thought, oh, man, she's kind of angling towards a uh, bedding area in the swamp. Uh, if we angle kind of that way, maybe we can cut her off or at least, you know, set up where we're where more deer are going to travel. So we walk, we've kind of set up in this little via trees. Mm-hmm. And within 10 minutes, I mean, we, we just kind of hunkered down right there on the ground. And you shot that buck at, what, 15 yards? Yeah. It, yeah, it's just a lot more fun, a lot more moving around. And then late season, what we'll do is when the snow is on the ground, we'll take our bows and we'll do some, like, not, it's actually more trailing than still hunting where you're you're finding, you're cutting fresh tracks and you're just moving slowly. Yeah. And you know, we haven't actually tried it with a rifle. I feel like if we had a rifle, we would have, I mean, it's way easier. Yeah. Probably really effective with a rifle. You could just shoot them. Yeah. The biggest problem was always, like, you get them at, like, 
50, 60 yards. This was back when I had a compound. You, I mean, which is definitely within range, but you know, and, and especially in northern Michigan, it's just can be thick. So you got no shot, very congested shooting lanes. Yeah, shooting a whitetail that knows you're there at 50 yards is uh, yeah, that's tricky. That's a that's a risky shot. Yeah, that's take. that's uh-huh. if they're any alert, any any bit alert, like really hard, not much over 25, 30 yards with a compound. And now now that I'm shooting a recurve, I, I wouldn't say anything over 20 yards. I would even take a crack at with my with my recurve at all yeah that arrow is moving pretty slow i'm yep. with you on that yep. um, but uh yeah I mean, another thing uh, something for you guys to look at maybe if you're interested is the antelope out in, uh, in august it's a pretty cool hunt yeah. i don't know if you've ever ever thought of that or done that chasing those things with your bow but that it was the first time i did it this year and it was a blast I'll was it where did you go yeah where you you said where didn't you say south dakota that was South Dakota, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> All right. We'll bleep it out when we edit this podcast. <laughs> no, it sounds like South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, obviously, I think has, you know, yeah. more antelope than anywhere. And more um, than people. But it was just like, if you like that spot and stock, you like moving. It was truck hunting in the sense that you'd get in the truck and drive for a little ways, and then you'd see more, and then you'd get out and stock. And it was just like... We walked over twenty miles one day. Wow! Beat you. So you weren't you weren't sitting water hole watering holes or anything. You were moving. Nope, well, we were stocking the whole time. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were they were plentiful. But it sounds like that's kind of how it is. And they're out all day during the day, so you're not waiting for tra- twilight hours. You're just chasing them all over. I had a my poor buddy that was with me missed seven times. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. He was getting really good at stocking. Almost every stock he got on, I would say 90% of the time, he got within bow range. Hey, yeah, and, that's good uh, practice, right? He'd blow him out or, you know, just miss the shot. I don't know. Like, he's one of the best shots I know. And it's, it's I'm not sure what happened, but he just missed so. Once you get in a not. funk, though, once mm-hmm. you get in a funk, though, and you miss, well, I had it one time. I sat, I was sitting. That was a long time ago. Much younger, much more inexperienced. Right. I missed three times in, out of a tree stand, and I just remember thinking, "I'm that's it. I'm done." Sticks I'm, got in your way I'm every gonna time. Huh? Stick. Up, I'm taking up whittling. You know, I'm. <laughs> this is not for me. I got. Uh, I got down when I was a little more inexperienced, but I got down out of a tree stand in Wisconsin to go find arrows <laughs> <laughs> to replace them in my quiver in case another deer came by. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, was, I was all out. At least you were willing to empty the quiver. You know, you weren't afraid yep. to take that shot third or fourth time or however many arrows you had. This is it. It's my last one. Yeah, that's right. That's some confidence. Shoot or shoot, yep. you know. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, you look at your bow and you say, something must be wrong with this. I'm not sure what happened. Right. Let's try it again. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're like uh, adjusting your sight every time a deer shows up. Uh, I was a little left on that one. A few clicks yeah. on the old spot hog, and that'll adjust for it. Well, you know, hey, we're, we're coming up on time. I appreciate you coming up and uh, talking to us. We'd, we actually would love to have you come back um, maybe when you release some of your new stuff, talk a little bit about hunting in, yeah. in South Dakota. But yeah, for sure. In the meantime, where can people who are listening find you, find your product, and, and learn more about you know Tito and your knives? So Tito Knives, Instagram is the best place to see all of our updates, new stuff, pictures, that yep. kind of cool stuff. At Tito Knives. TitoKnives.com is the website. Uh, my personal Instagram is at LeftyLukey on Instagram. You're a lefty? I'm a lefty. Ah. Uh. 
It's yeah. a right-handed world. I'm giving you a follow right now, Lefty <laughs> Lukey. It makes it tough to find. Was really tough to find a rifle. I just bought a rifle this year, oh, and that was sure. uh, that was a bit of a challenge. Mm. They don't make many. Mm. I just threw you a like on that uh, on that pronghorn you got sitting there. So Tito Tito knives is T Y T O for everybody listening. T-Y-T-O. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Luke, thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch and definitely have you back. Yeah, for sure. It was great talking to you. Look forward to seeing uh, you guys kill some big bucks in Wisconsin. Thank you, yeah. and cutting them up with our Tito knives. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for taking a listen to this episode. Head on over to our Instagram page to stay up to date on everything that we're doing. If you're feeling squirrely, go smash that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast. We and, appreciate it. And tell your friends that we are Hot 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 Hot